Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome into this Friday edition of Attacking Third. Darian Jenkins, Jordan Angeli, Lisa Carlin, and Jenny Chu coming to you this Friday. The U.S. women played Colombia to a scoreless draw last night, and we're going to go over that along with today's UEFA Nations League action. But first, ladies, it's a Friday. How are we feeling? Good. It's a little silly today. We've been a bit silly today. <laughs> None of us dressed up for Halloween. No. Sadly, I'm pining for Monday. I say we go all out on Monday. Um, Come on. Come oh, I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Halloween. I just have to it's say, I, like, I can't. I, I, I hate scary things. I just Me can't too. do it. I'm with you, Jenny. I just like you two can do creepy things. It doesn't have to be creepy. <laughs> oh, well, I think it has to be creepy. <laughs> I'll wear a Barbie dress. That's pretty much as, as all I can That's do. That's cute. For yeah. You. All right, let's go ahead and get started with today's uh, news. As one coaching vacancy was officially filled this week, when Kansas City Current announced the hiring of Lotko Andonovsky, another has opened up. Racing Louisville have announced that they've, quote, mutually parted ways with Kim Bjorkagren. Bjorkagren had been in charge of the club for two seasons, and while he did reach the Challenge Cup final this season, losing to the Courage, the team ultimately failed to qualify for the postseason during his tenure. Let's go ahead and get into this news right away, Jordan. Your initial reactions. I'm honestly a little bit shocked. I have really enjoyed Bjorkagren and what he's been able to do, the players he's been able to bring to Louisville, Wang Shuang, Ari Borges, to name two, who I feel like have fit in seamlessly. But then when you think about this season with him, they get to the Challenge Cup final. They did what they've never done. They beat Portland. They beat Seattle. They beat these teams that they have never had the ability to beat on their way to getting to the final of a major tournament in NWSL. And then I think the troubles came for him when he was without Jalen Howell for the majority of the season with an injury. Wang Shuang had to go to the Asian Games and was out for the majority of the season. It, to me, feels like, it, since it's a mutual parting of ways, it feels like he doesn't think he's going to get what he needs to fill out a roster next year in order to be successful. Because when you see the depth that was playing, it wasn't good enough for racing. They didn't make the playoffs. And um, I sense maybe there's a little bit behind the scenes that have ha that has happened. When you look at his tenure and where he's been throughout his coaching season that he's done, he's never stayed at a club more than two years. He's really bopped around. He spent one year at a few different clubs, but two is the max. And maybe he can get a good assessment of what the club can offer to him and, and the league that he's playing in. This was his first time coaching in a, the NWSL, and there was an adjustment period for him when he first started. Of course, there was a lot happening behind the scenes at Racing Louisville as well. Mm -hmm. When he took over, they had just fired their former head coach in Christy Holly, and then he had come into a program and needed to kind of reassess 
reestablish and relay a foundation in a club that was only one year old at yeah. that time. Now in their third year, the fact that they are or their fourth year heading into next year, that they have to look for their third coach, they have to get someone that's going to be committed to this. That has to be the biggest thing for this club. Absolutely. Well, it, we're going to switch gears here to an exciting topic. It's awards time in the NWSL. Let's go ahead and go through this year's finalists. We're going to go ahead and start with Rookie of the Year. There are three finalists. Orlando Pride's Messiah Bright, Gotham FC's Jenna Knight-Swanger, and Angel City's Alyssa Thompson. Those are two forwards and a midfielder slash defender at Knight-Swanger, and all three have made a massive impact on their respective teams. I feel like the proper way to talk about this is to go ahead and start, Darian, with you, who your vote is well, on this list. we know where she's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Really? Where am I going? Orlando Gurley. No. No. Shocker. I am going with Jenna Nicewanger, my Gotham, my bad. Wow. I don't I... even know you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who are we? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Jenna Nicewanger. I think her being a rookie and how she's adapted from being a 10, and she's played outside back this entire year under Coach Juan Carlos. She has three goals, seven total goal contributions, which is tied across the league, the Challenge Cup, and the most among the rookies as a defender. As a defender, that's how involved she is in the attack and how she effective she is. Three-time NWSL Player Team of the Month, two-time Rookie of the Month, and Challenge Cup Player or Challenge Cup Team of the Tournament. So the accolades are piling up. I think she's made such a name for herself throughout the season. I think. She's going to be called into a national team camp, maybe not pre-Olympics, but after Olympics. Who, who knows? Next year, NWSL is crazy. Something can happen. But I think she's made a really good name for herself, and she is going – the sky's the limit for her in the NWSL. Who knows? Next year, maybe the U.S. national team is playing a 3-5-2, and she can play wing back. Yes. Because her defensive abilities are not her strong suit. And when I called games, this is something that we talked mm -hmm. about over and over, that she would get beat, and she gets beat she defensively does. on her side. But what she can add to the attack, she's fifth in the entire league for crossing. Mm -hmm. And that is something that this Gotham side relies on. I like the shout for Jenna Nicewanger. She came in in that first game at Angel City because Allie Krieger got hurt. Ten mm -hmm. minutes in. Ten minutes in. Ten minutes in. Good luck. Go play she in the back line. one week as a left back in training yep. with Gotham and then stayed there the rest yeah. of the year. So that that's my rookie of the year. My, and I think Messiah Bright did a really good job and has grown in to the system in Orlando and done a really good job of executing in times that she needed to. But we expect her to play, to score goals. I wasn't expecting Jenna Nicewanger to be an outside Yeah, back. exactly. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Jenna Nicewanger as three well. For three. I think that the versatility that she provides in that left side, left back position when that's not her role. And mm -hmm. as a rookie, it is so hard to adjust to this lead, the physicality and the transition of it and how tough it is to win games. And then to do that completely out of position and to do it well is really impressive of a rookie. I like the shout for Messiah Bright as well, but you're right, you want her to score goals. I think the same accolade goes to Alyssa Thompson yeah. as well. There was a lot of pressure on that young player coming in uh, in high school. She started this year in high school, guys. That's she was going so to English crazy. class in the morning, going to training later, and she performed well above what you would expect from an 18-year-old at that point. However, I just don't think that the overall season, right, you have to take into account, account the entirety mm -hmm. of the year from March up until the end of the season in October. And I think that there's just too many peaks and valleys for Alyssa Thompson throughout the whole of the season for her to be Rookie of the Year. And I think maybe going to the World Cup might have stunted well, yeah, her growth. Gone. So I agree. She didn't get to play. And then in the back half of the season under Becky Tweed, she, the changeover happened when she was gone. 
gone. I think she, Becky Tweed started trusting some other players to execute the role that she wanted. And Alyssa Thompson is not playing the same role anymore. So it is good to see her on this list. But I think that that's the clear one, two, three for all of us. Agreed. Yeah. That is a three for three on Rookie of the Year. Let's see how the rest of these go. Okay, <laughs> as we move on to Defender of the Year nominees, Naomi Gurma for San Diego Wave, Sarah Gordon um, of the Angel City, Allie Krieger of Gotham, Kaylee Kurtz of North Carolina Courage, Sam Staub of Washington Spirit. Guys, something that we were noticing is these are all center backs. There are no outside backs on this list. Lisa, I'm going to start with you here. Who would your vote be? So this one was a little bit trickier for me. I think that it was easier for me to narrow down who I wasn't going to pick. However, for Washington Spirit, Sam Staub has been incredible. She's a three-time Iron Woman for this club. The way that she was able to play center back this year alongside a player that was a striker coming into this season and be able to lead Tara McKeown and organize defensively when she was doing it all herself because the player next to her had no idea what she was doing. And, and McKeown did a great job. I will give her that. I will say that. But for Sam Stop, she had to not only lead and organize everything by herself, but she does a great job at breaking lines with her passes and her set piece ability, her, her delivery and her ability to play long balls is really crucial for a Washington Spirit side that wanted to go long every time. And it, it she was a big factor in in the success that Washington had, I think it was because of Sam Staub and her ability to play those balls out of the back because they really didn't try to connect through the midfield. Mm -hmm. However, I like her ability as a defender and on the ball as a set-piece taker. She's my pick. Yeah, all right. I like sure. that. I, did, I, too, eliminated some players first. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, eliminated Allie Krieger. I don't think she had this season um, that was up to par with Kaylee Kurtz or Sam Staub. Uh, I do want to say my second pick was, was Sarah Gordon. I've had mm. three ACLs. To come back the f next year from an ACL and play every single minute is an incredible feat. I cannot believe that she did that. And she looked faster. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I never got back. I, I didn't get that when I came back from my we ACL. We need her secret. So just props to her and what she was able to do coming back from an ACL. She looked the same player, if not a little bit more uh, Soccer IQ a little bit higher, I would say, this season with Angel City. Mine is going to be Kaylee Kurtz because with North Carolina, they totally changed the style that they wanted to play. And you had to be a little bit more of a ball-playing center back, which Kurtz has in her back pocket. But she could defend like crazy. She could step into the midfield when she needed to, to to pick off a ball. I thought her ability to play out of the back was good. Dribbling sometimes out of the back, but the leadership of to see what's happening in, in front of her and all the rotations and the situations that Nahas had this team playing, Kurtz was integral in that. And I really think that she, for me, was the, the defender of the year in NWSL. We are two for two. <laughs> I go. agreed. I said Kaylee Kurtz as well. I thought she was a brick wall for North Carolina. And I agree. I think the biggest part of her game that was most effective for them was her ability to play out and the trust that Sean Nahas has in her mm -hmm. to keep possession of the ball. Because I think losing Abby Ursig, she was that center back for the Courage yeah. for so long. She was the identity of the back line, the brick wall that everybody was fearful to go up against. And I think she's risen to the occasion, surpassed everyone's expectations. And Sean Nahas uh, tweeted saying, she initiated our possession style and has become a top quality all-around footballer, which I totally agree. We yeah were um, on the Courage together, and I've seen her evolve into this just solid center back. That I, I wouldn't even call yeah. her center back. I think she this like, is true. thinks the game. Yeah, she's her soccer IQ, as you mentioned, is super high. Yeah. And I think 
that's going to continue to grow. And I love the relationship she has with Coach Sean Nahas because he obviously trusts her and she's risen to the occasion. Oh. So. Two for two. I like this. Ooh. We can keep it going. <laughs> All right, from the defenders, let's go ahead and move on to the last line of defense right in front of the goal. Let's go goalkeepers of the year nominees. There are three here. Jane Campbell for the Houston Dash, Katie Lund for Louisville, uh, Kayleen Sheridan for San Diego Wave. Uh, and I just want to name out these stats here. Jane Campbell, 91 saves, eight clean sheets. Katie Lund with 86, uh, Kaylin Sheridan with 63 saves. But when we did our best 11s, everyone chose Jane Campbell. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we're all in con concession here. Yeah? Jane yep. Campbell on Jane three. Jane Campbell. One, two, three. Jane, Jane Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. That was a good one. And let's go on. No, let's talk about her a little bit. Yeah, we got to give her her flowers yeah. because Jane Campbell was fantastic this year. Mm -hmm. She, uh, of course, led the stingiest defense in the league, but it was the lowest goals against, which was really crucial 18 in 22 games that is huge for Jane Campbell there was so many games that I was on the call and I'd be like and Jane Campbell stands on her head again mm -hmm. to make sure nothing finds the back of the net she had an over 85% save percentage throughout this year and she still faced a lot of shots right a lot of times we can look at some of these stats and think okay if you are only facing two to three shots a game and you're getting three saves how how great is that but she was facing a very high percentage of, yeah. of saves her center backs also, they they had consistency and then they would not be there. They yes. got a couple red cards. They had a lot of influx. They changed mm -hmm. formation. There was a lot of chaos happening in front of Jane. Houston, yeah. And she remained uh, a lockdown goalkeeper. Yeah, of those three, she faced the highest amount of yeah. shots, 91 shots. The biggest stat for me that I found when I was looking at Jane Campbell is when you look, we, we talk often about XG, right? The expected goals a player adds to the game. There's also XG against. Mm -hmm. How many goals against you prevent? And Jane Campbell, this Houston Dash team should have given up 34 goals. She had the <laughs> highest XG differential in the in the league with 16.9. That Ooh. was into the last weekend of the year. So yes, she she's had one more goal go in. But my goodness, she saved 17 goals from going in the back of the net. Uh, we are not worthy of that type of goalkeeping. Absolutely amazing. She should be in with the national team again. I, I, I totally agree. agree. Ah, yeah, James. I agree. Um, but I agree. And she has the most saves of 2023 out of all the keepers. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing for me, too, is her distribution. I think she relieved a lot of pressure for Houston by her ability with her feet, how she's able to build from the back. And there wasn't the most technical team in front of her for a lot of the season, for whatever reasons that may be. But I think you're right. She does deserve a nod to go back into the national team. I think she's evolved as a player and a footballer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Jane Campbell, easy shout for all of us. Let's go ahead and move on to Coach of the Year, Juan Carlos Amaros of Gotham, Casey Stoney of San Diego Wave, and Becky Tweed of Angel City. Do we want to just get some opinions here right away? Jordan, you're smiling at me. Who's yours? <laughs> It has to be Juan Carlos Amaros. Yes. 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 <laughs> it has to be. This Gotham squad last year, four wins, mm -hmm. one draw, 17 losses. They had 13 points. He brought them to 8-7-7. Seven, and seven. They made the playoffs. They were pushing for top in the league at, at one point. Their style is... A little unconventional, but it is beautiful at times. It's and organized chaos. It is organized chaos. And they got their first ever playoff win. Mm -hmm. it, it, he has inspired a group that, that was desperate for inspiration. 
and I love his passion. I love hearing him talk about football. Uh, he, he totally transformed this club, and kudos to him for what he was able to do in this year. Yeah, he's been instrumental off the field as well, bringing players in, building a culture of where you actually want to show up and train for Gotham. Because before Ooh. this year, nobody wanted to go to Sky Blue, Gotham. Like, that's just the truth of it. As a player, that's not, you wouldn't a, want that's to not a team that won four games. It's not a place where you wanted to go. <laughs> no. And he's made this one of the top places in the league where you're like, I yeah. want to play for that coach. Regardless yeah. of everything else, yeah. that's where you want to go. I want the to be somewhere where... The environment has definitely changed as well. The there. environment's totally yeah. changed, and he's inspired not only the players, but everyone from the front office to the fans. You watch his videos after the games of his speeches, and you... I want to run through a wall after listening to him. Like, you want to play for a coach and work for somebody that is like that, and flowers to him because he's done so much for the Scotham side. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Easy he's, he's my pick as well. With, uh, Of course, I echo everything you've both have said. His ability to find players, individualize them, and, and put them in strength, like positions that are going to – like play to their strengths throughout mm -hmm. the year on both sides of the ball. That's what's really crucial because, yes, this is a team that d only got four wins last year, but they really had trouble scoring and mm -hmm. like they couldn't do anything last year. So the fact that he was able to tighten up defensively, they they got a shutout in the playoffs. They were the first number six seed team to win a playoff game in NWSL club history. That mm -hmm. is huge for them, and they were able to find the back of the net. It was a bit unconventional at mm -hmm. times, but I think with the cards he was dealt, the players he had, he made a great case for himself, and he made a case for other players around the league in free agency and expansion draft yep. to want to stay and to want to be at Gotham. Snub Sean Nahas prediction: He wins next year Ooh. with what they've built. I think okay. he wins next year. I like that. I just want to follow on Juan Carlos Amaros. I know we talked about all the on-field and, and the way that he changed the environment and the culture and, and how you want to run through a big wall for him. I've spoken to multiple players on that Gotham squad, and they've talked about how respectful he is of them and to them and how much that makes them, like I guess, more fiery towards what the plan is for the team. Um, and I know that that should be a given. But it isn't in, in this league. And, and mm -hmm. so just to kind of hear all the good things. And I've heard some people say, I'm afraid that we're going to lose him to a national team very soon. So just saying, uh, let's go ahead and go into that MVP uh, <clears throat> race. Nominees. Yeah. Sam Coffey for the Portland Thorns. Dabinia, Kansas City Current. Naomi Gurma, San Diego Wave. Caroline, North Carolina Courage. And Sophia Smith, Portland Thorns as well. I want to hear everyone's opinion on this one. Darian, would you get us started? Oh, Sophia Smith. This one was easy for me. I think, you know what? She missed a huge part of the year going to the World Cup. She's also been injured. Still the top goal scorer in the league. I think even her presence in the national team game last night, I know we're talking about NWSL, you feel how much that squad missed her as well as Portland. When she comes in, teams alter the way that they play against her. I think even when she's, you know, at 60-70%, you're still weary to play against her and how effective she can be for this side. So, she was an easy pick for me. Sophia Smith, I think sky's the limit. She is she's the moment. She that is be, her. That would be back to back for so. Yeah. Yep. This is the hardest one for me to choose. Because sorry, Naomi Gurma, I didn't consider you great you had a great year, mm -hmm. played in your first World Cup. I don't think she played enough for the San Diego team to be in this conversation. That's just me. Dabinia, same thing. Great year. Not enough for me to think you were an uh, MVP candidate, especially what we've seen from Dabinia before. So then I was struggling between – I love what Sam Coffey has done, but Sophia Smith and Caroline were really the two finalists for me. And 
I looked at without them, what are their team like? Mm -hmm. yep. And that's how I determined who would be my MVP. And I had to go with Caroline because this is a night and day courage squad when they don't have the release of Caroline, the individual brilliance. She had, she was best in NWSL and shot creating actions, second most in passes that led to a shot, active in the attack. She also had 10 goals, three assists in 19 games. So she played a few more games than Sophia Smith. Mm -hmm. But Caroline added a dimension to North Carolina in their possession style that allowed them to be different. And you could tell in that playoff game how desperately they yeah. missed yeah, her. Yeah, you 100% did. So I'm going the Brazilian Caroline. I am going with the midfielder out of Portland, Warren, <gasps> Sam. Wow, let's coffee. go. We finally think something different. I know. <laughs> she is, Sam Coffey's such a two-way player, and to me that is what the MVP is. Defensively, she's number two in players' tackles. She led the NWSL in tackles one. She was top three in tackles and interceptions. She was a, a, a clog in the midfield for Portland that – players and teams had to get through and it was very difficult. Meanwhile, offensively, she led Portland with eight assists. She was top five in goal creations and throughout the summer when Portland lost a lot of their superstars around her, five players went to the World Cup. She was a consistent that kept Portland afloat and yeah. buoyed them throughout the Challenge Cup and throughout the regular season because she was a consistent workhorse factor for this side and to me, that is an MVP. Mm. I like it, Lisa. Give like Taylor some love. I love, yeah. I love everyone having their different reasonings for why they chose everybody and that everyone had a different pick here. Um, but we have gone way over on this segment. So the U.S. <laughs> national team was in action last night against Colombia. And though it was just a friendly, there were a few noteworthy moments, including Jaden Shaw's debut. We're going to have a full recap when we get back. Stay tuned. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. The U.S. women's national team and Columbia played to a scoreless draw last night in Sandy, Utah. And this were the, these were the highlights of the game, I guess you could call it. And it's a takedown in the box. Lynn Williams gets taken down on a corner kick. Pretty soft penalty, if you ask me. This was not hit, it, hit softly, but unfortunately, Alex Morgan pings it off the post. It comes back to her, so then she cannot play it again. That's why it's called a free kick the other way. And then changes were made, but late in the game, Ashley Hatch being one of those changes, she got an opportunity to go on the frame. Sophia Smith won towards the end of the game, but changes happened too late in this one. And honestly, yeah. I would have liked to see it up from the beginning. I agree. I completely agree. Go yeah. ahead, Darren. I wish that there – it was the exact lineup, I think, Everybody Vladko would have put out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mine is different. Minus Sophia Smith, just because she's coming back from injury and obviously they're warming her up into the game. But I this was the opportunity to do something kind of crazy. I don't know, not that I would think it's that crazy, but a formation change. Uh, Jordan, we've talked about I would love to see the US in a 3-5-2, especially when we're having issues scoring. Let's throw all of our weapons up to the front. We have great center backs that can fill those positions. We have huge attacking players. Imagine Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman as the two forwards up there. 
scary. Scary. Sophia Smith's holdup play, Trinity running in behind, vice versa, I think that would be so good for the U.S. and very refreshing mm -hmm. and just gives us something different. With just like building I the mean, team different tactically, expressing differently. I, I, it was a boring game it was, in yeah, my it opinion. Was it was really boring. Very boring, very uninspiring, very yeah. blah. It was tough to watch at times. And I think that the, a shakeup after a game like that mm -hmm. to a lot of people sounds very appealing. And yeah. I just wonder why there wasn't one. And and perhaps with Twyla Kilgore as this interim head, co head coach, she f feels like, okay, I'm not going to make any changes. I'm just going to keep it as is and let the next coach come in and and – that would not be me as an interim head coach. I would want to try different things. Bring, give players that you called into camp caps. At least put them on the 23. Get them more than seven minutes. And you'll be the manager. Jaden Shaw coming in so late. Yeah. I was so sad. Yeah. I thought she should have started the second half. It just, it wasn't, if, if they were playing well and it was fun before, then let them continue to have fun. But like, it didn't. It didn't look like they were having fun. No, it looked, the energy looked low. It looked tiresome. It looked like they were constantly striving to be in the right spot at the right time, and they were not letting the game be played. Right? It was constantly thinking about where I needed to be next. I there. There are so many things that we can go into, but especially if you're talking about changing it up. I know Sullivan and Sonnet worked in that game against Sweden. I know it worked, but in this game, Sonnet looked like an eight. Sonnet is not our best eight that the United yeah. States can put out. And that's the true fact of the matter. If you want to play an eight, put Lindsey Horan at the eight. And then put Jaden Shaw at the 10. Yeah. And let Jaden Shaw play with Sullivan and Horan next to her, who are stable U.S. women's national team midfielders. And then you can let the young kid go and run around. I was not happy. And make I some was, mistakes. And make some mistakes. Yeah. Why do we play friendlies if we don't do yeah. anything different? Yeah. yeah. Here's your time I, to try something new. I, I think that's exactly, we echo everyone's sentiments here. I think that we were frustrated that there wasn't some creativity here. You have nothing to lose. It's a friendly. Let's see something different. And this is basically, like you said, what Vodka would have put out. At halftime, I was furious. I was like, are you going to make some changes? Are you going to move things around? Are you going to play some new players? Because that's why I'm watching this game. Are you playing some fresh faces? The one, the one sub they make is the oldest player on the team back into the that lineup. That was... Mm -hmm. Hilarious because I had just tweeted, if there are not some changes made, I want to see some fresh faces. And JP Della Camera says, 38-year-old Sauerbrunn coming in. I'm like, yeah. I think there's a place for Becky Sauerbrunn on this team going into the Olympics. I do. But I am still in camp 352, 343. Mm -hmm. I am. But we're not going to get that yet. It's not going to come. Why, under, why, why, why not on under Sunday? Under Kildor, it's not, not going to come. Why not on Sunday? Because she's been at this U.S. team under Vlako Andonofsky, and she thinks that works. I think I'm just saying we better shoot for what something we can get here. And I just want players out there that haven't seen as much time as yeah. the same lineup that we've seen. Okay. It's, so she's you want Shaw to start? Shaw want, to start? Yes, I want Shaw to start. You want Moultrie to start? Uh, no, but I want her to play. You want Coffee to start? Yeah. yeah, I want yeah, coffee for sure. sure. Okay, I, I'd go coffee, Haran, and, and Jaden Shaw. And Jaden yeah. Shaw, I would for too. sure. Why not? In the midfield. And, and that front line needs to change. The front line needs to change. Alex Morgan is not putting the performances together at the U.S. national team level that we expect out of her, and that is worthy of starting every single game without consequence. There, there has to be some kind of consequence if you are not putting the ball in the back of the net. I think you move to somebody else and try a player like Lynn Williams as a nine. Mm. She's played the nine before. I know Sophia Smith is the one that you would opt for. But if she can't start, maybe she can play 45. Maybe you start her at the beginning and give her 45 minutes as a nine. I like her as the nine, too. So 
I just, I think, I, I think there needs I to be change. I think that's a more optimistic change than three, five, two, right thanks now. For, thanks yeah, for I agree. I'm being, to I just, it's fine. I like no, it. I like, I like, I like it. Like it. For the stars, but we have to be a little bit realistic. This team is not just going to flop over and change how they are right now, especially if we want to still have Lindsey Horan in the midfield, which I still do at this point. And the four back that they have, I think Emily Fox has done a nice job on mm-hmm. the right back position. And she knows her role a little bit differently now. She, she gets forward. She tucks inside. Um, she can exploit that space centrally a little bit more. She can create those overlaps. It's Their ideas are there, but it's so stale. I'll it just is say so stale. It's not predictable, one, I think. Yeah. Not yeah. one player added to the resume last night. Not one player. I think Trinity Rodman was the one player that I would say looked like she was like out there to win. It looked like she was I, putting more effort in than everyone else. Yeah, I agree. I think Trinity looked good. I mean, wh- but she how much she can- you, Yeah, think that she was a better player. That, like, she didn't add anything different than she has already shown us. No, but I still think she's her. Like, that's our girl. She's the yeah. one. But yeah. I did love seeing Casey Kruger back in. I think that is so yeah. deserved. Mm-hmm. I think she fits into this formation. The U.S. Women's National Team, I think she is perfect for that position, so I was happy to see her in. I think one thing we need to consider is it's the end of the NWSL season. Some teams are still playing. International break, I don't know who scheduled this during this time in the NWSL, but I I can understand if players are exhausted and feeling burnt out. I would at this point. I'm not even playing anymore. But you could say no. No, you can't. No, but realistically, you can't. You you would say no getting called to a national team. You can say, but you can't. I'm not, but then go and play. That's what I'm saying. Like, either it's an excuse or it's not an excuse. But you can't, you can't deny a call-up. I would never. I'm just saying. You're, if you're you too would tired up, and you, you have, show up differently if you have is what other, you were saying. Yeah. You Do you think that the players were tired from their NWSL season? I don't know. I think that they looked like they were, some of them. I think they looked exhausted mentally, but um, I also... Okay, if those are the exhausted ones, play the young kids. That's what I think. That's that's what I think. If they're exhausted, you actually have a choice. It might not benefit you, but maybe if you can rest, it benefits you because you're not capable of going into... I'm just saying there is a choice in that situation. I would choose to go into camp, but <laughs> no, I agree with you. I just wanted to I get what you mean, and I do think yes, yes, you show up differently if you're coming in. But you're right; it's that's the opportunity to play Alyssa Thompson, Jaden yes. Shaw, yes. Sam Coffey, Olivia all these players Moultrie. that are super yeah. hungry to get in that don't she have. She hasn't played experience. with Portland. Yeah. That like she's not playing 90 minutes week in and week no. out. Give Moultrie some time. Allow mm-hmm. her to run around. I, I think last point I want to make is. At the end of this game, I think the last 15 minutes, there was a different spark and a different energy. I could see it in Lindsey Horan's eyes of, I do not want to end a scoreless draw against Columbia. Yeah. Where was that in the first 10 minutes? I That's think Hatchie something. Too. You know what? Ashley that, Hatch came yeah, in. Hatchie I thought yes. she looked a lot better when Ashley mm-hmm. Hatch came in instead of Alex Morgan. They looked a little bit Better up front. Um, and I think that that's hard pe- for people to say because it's Alex Morgan. And you don't want to say anything incorrect, but the reality is that at some point we have to make these changes if we yeah. want to show up at the Olympics yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and do what we have to do here. I know we have so much more to talk about here. We'll talk about that with Sandra Herrera and the NWSL when she joins us next. Welcome back to Attacking Third, sponsored by Ford. We now welcome in our very own CBS Sports reporter, Sandra Herrera. Sandra, 
So great to have you with us today. Hey, happy to be here with y'all. Look at you all behind the desk. I love yeah, it. Look at the desk now. How does it look? How do we look up here? Smart. Looking good. Looking profesh. I smart. love it. You meant to say smart too, right? <laughs> All right, Sandra, we just finished a segment where we went off on the U.S. Women's National Team game last night. And we all have our opinions there. We're not very happy with the performance. How did you feel about it? I got to say, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think uh, there's a couple of sides to, to look at it. It's like a big Rubik's Cube. How does, how does it all put together? But I think no matter which side you look at it, you, you still want to see that next step. I think in terms of the timeline of things, it's smack dab in the middle of a head coaching search. There's an interim in place with Kilgore. Were we really going to see some type of shakeup or some differences in this particular window? Maybe not. Was it uh, too much for us to ask for? I also think maybe not. Uh, I think these players de deserve some fresh ideas and uh, we're not really seeing that right now. So I'm, I'm with you all in terms of kind of the, the lackluster kind of scoreless draw between these two sides, mostly even play. And uh, I think maybe when you're looking at the other side of things against Colombia, the fact that they're missing a few key players of their own from their World Cup uh, quarterfinalist appearance, you wanted a little bit more from this team. And uh, unfortunately, the goals just just never came, which is an area of being clinical in front of goal is something that we heard Kilgore say in the press conference for pregame that they really wanted to work on and improve on. Didn't see that in this uh, match. Sandra, a lot of buzzwords there for me. New ideas. They wanted uh, different personnel, creativity, movement. What do you want to see from this U.S. side in their second matchup against Colombia? Might as well just let the kids play. I think we're all excited to have seen Jaden Shaw finally make her national team debut. But we're talking about coming on to the pitch with three minutes in regulation left to go. And that's been pretty clear as well. We're talking about buzzwords. I think the narrative or the perception about making sure there's not a ton of pressure. We hear that a lot about these newer next-gen kids coming up through the pipeline. Not to put so much of that pressure onto their shoulders. But I think when you're looking ahead to an Olympics that is eight or nine months away, the pressure is already on automatically with this federation and this program. It's not a long time in the buildup to turn things around. And if these are the remaining windows in 2023, when you really need to buckle things down in 2024, why not utilize some of these matches to get that experience for these next gen players? I agree, Sandra. And we all were talking about how we hope to see Jaden Shaw with more minutes in this next game. But up front, we also said it, I think it's time to switch up that nine spot and not to start Alex Morgan because she's Alex Morgan and has had a very good career. And she still can have a really good career. But right now, it's not working with this mix. If you could change that spot, who are you putting in to play the nine in this next game against Columbia? Yeah, I think there's an emphasis on players who are game ready, who have the minutes, who are in form to go ahead and contribute within this particular window. I think they were looking at someone like Alex Morgan, not only as a veteran, but part of a team in NWSL side that's on their way to the playoffs. So maybe we see Ashley Hatch actually get the start in this next coming match. Why not me official? 
someone who has already started their uh, regular season with their club team as well. Perhaps we could get us see a start there for me official versus coming off of the bench. So hatch in the sense where their season is over for the spirit. They're not, they're not having playoffs to, to take a look at me. Official does have a regular season in front of her, but it's very, very early for women's super league right now. So either of those two, I'd like to maybe see get the start in this next coming match. I agree. Would love to see Mia Fischel get that start at the nine position, Sandra. For this Colombian side, we know they're missing a lot of a lot of their players they had in the World Cup again in these two friendlies. How they approach this next game is going to, you know, being the USMS national team, they're going to adjust on how they think Colombia is going to change. What does Colombia need to do to be more of a test in this second leg? It it kind of seems like they're proud of their their result against the the U.S. Women's National Team on Thursday, and and they should be. You know, that that 4-2-3-1 really kind of negated or combated against what the U.S. Women's National Team was trying to present kind of in this more fluctuating 4-3-3. So how can they build off of that? Linda Caicedo getting some good looks, but kind of fading in terms of getting the ball and not seeing as, as many touches down the stretch. So what could they do to make sure that they could recycle things or hit the reset button in game to make sure that she is someone that does continue to get touches or does continue to, to see time in the ball. That's going to be interesting to see if they do make some adjustments uh, without a Catalina Uzme or without a Mayra Ramirez to, to go ahead and, and maybe shake things up a, a little bit. But I think coming off of a scoreless draw, even if they were to put together uh, another more kind of defense clinic. I think they would still consider that uh, a bit of a victory. Although if they come out and deliver a loss to this U.S. Women's National Team program, I think that also hits a little bit of a reset button again because this senior national team has two wins against South Africa coming out of the World Cup. And that is... You know, it's all it's all about what have you done for for me lately. So kind of having those two wins and not having that now uh, with with this window, I think folks are going to look at that and say, well, well, what happened? You had these two wins and now some 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 questionable results here. So uh, I think the U.S. are going to want to come out here and make sure they uh, wrap up the win. Sandra, I want to shift gears a little bit because in the NWSL, we heard of the news today that Kim Bjorkegren and Racing Louisville have parted ways. This is Bjorkegren's second year at Racing Louisville. Um, They made it all the way to the Challenge Cup final, and now he's not coming back next year. Were you surprised to hear this news? That was a little bit of a a mixed reaction for me. I think when you take a look at what they did in season, see how they made it to the Challenge Cup, maybe you check that off and say – this is a franchise that is maybe checking off some some things on their list in terms of building towards something bigger. And maybe you also look at the head coach and say it's happening with this particular manager. But in the same line, you've got a head coach that has done a good job of kind of building up a roster, utilizing those European connections, uh, international uh, kind of neck wide net that he has there to kind of bring in more players to kind of build up this racing Louisville side. We've seen Rebecca Holiday, uh, Wang Chuang, uh, Demi Katlana. These are all major international players to, to bring into the mix and try to push this racing team forward. And we saw them stay in the conversation, at least for this postseason in 2023. But the other side of that is having all these players come into the mix and not being able to get that job 
done. So kind of announced as a bit of a mutual parting of ways that this is a manager that wants to head back uh, to Europe. And now racing is going to have to uh, look for a new head coach moving forward. Um, but maybe there's also a little bit to be said about coming to this league, coming to the States and coaching an NWSL. It's not an easy place to, to put together these pieces and then end up falling short a little bit. Well, there's a vacancy there, but as we mentioned, the U.S. men's women's national team also has a vacancy that needs to be filled. Sandra, uh, what's the latest update on that search? Yeah, uh, additional reporting coming out of The Athletic to kind of narrow down those actual candidates. There's been a lot of speculation. We've had our own predictions and our own wish list about who we'd like to see in the role, but who is actually on this shortlist. We're now hearing that it is Tony Gustafson. It is going to be Laura Harvey amongst those uh, candidates. So maybe sooner rather than later, they do want to get a head coach in place before the start of the next international window, which is at the, actually at the end of November, despite those friendlies on the calendar for uh, early December. Who's your pick there, Sandra? Real quick. I think they're going to go with Harvey. Oh, same. Uh. I'd like All to see right. Tony Gustafson, we'll see. but my gut says they're going to go with Harvey. Interesting. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. We're going to see whether that comes to fruition in the next month or so. Appreciate Thanks. you joining. Thanks, Sandra. Take it easy. All right, guys, we have so much more to come here on Attacking Third. We'll be back in just a moment. The NWSL playoffs resume next Sunday after the international break with two semifinals. Gotham will look to make their first ever NWSL final when they take on Portland at 7 p.m. Eastern. Then at 9.30 p.m., the San Diego Wave hosts O.L. Reign fresh off their first playoff win in five seasons. Both matches will be on CBS Sports Network. The winners will move on to the final at Snapdragon Stadium, which will take place on November 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. We'll be talking Nations League next. Stay with us. Attacking third brought to you by Ford. The inaugural edition of the Women's Nations League is in full swing with Europe's heavyweights in action as they also hunt for a spot in this summer's upcoming Olympics. The stakes couldn't be higher, so let's take a look at some of the biggest matches. We're going to go ahead and start with Germany and Wales. That is a 5-1 to one match, Darian. We love a high-scoring game, don't we? <laughs> we do. Says the forward. <laughs> right? <laughs> Defenders love it, too, when you're on, when you're on the winning team. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, no, Germany dominated this match. Schuler started this off with a goal in the 25th minute. Classic Germany, a great build-up play to a cross and a goal with her head. Then Wales had an answer, tying it 1-1 with Holland with a really orchestrated goal through Jess Fishlock. She was the mainstay for this Wales side. I, I, you know, they everything comes through her. She dictates the play, the tempo. Um, that goal was entirely orchestrated by her, and it was a really great finish, nice little flick, finished by Holland, and then Germany came back. They, Schuler got another goal, and then after halftime in the last 10 minutes, a penalty, two more goals. Uh, Anyomi had a goal in the 88th minute, the last, the fifth goal, nail in the mm -hmm. coffin with her first touch being a goal. Um, yeah, Germany completely dominated possession, shots, shots on target, tackles. It was the classic German side we wanted to see, but 
But Wales with goals. Hold, yeah, with goals. And Wales yeah. held on. They really did. But until the last 10 minutes, I think they sat back and were trying to trying to prod and score another goal. And then they let well, three in. The thing with goals is the thing that I think we go back to because we saw the U.S. women's national team play Wales before they went to the World Cup. And they couldn't find five goals. It was still yeah. a very defensive Welsh team. They mm-hmm. stuck to their guns. They played some good defensive work. But what impressed me the most about this German squad, they had 10 shots on goal and they scored five of them. Yep. To have that kind of shots to goals percentage is ridiculous. And you're going to win every game if you're scoring 50% of your shots on goal. Yeah, I mean, and this is exactly what we want to see from Germany at, mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. The fact that it did take them a little bit to get into it, right? there's like pros and cons to this. This Nations League is a long tournament. Yeah. There's still three more group stage match day- games to play for them, and they need to top their table. They need to advance because uh, we talk about last summer with the World Cup and advancing to the Olympics in the next summer. It's a really quick turnaround, and there are a lot of nations that underperformed at the World Cup, and Germany is one of them. Now is their chance to, to level up and advance onto the Olympics. Let's move on to Italy against Spain, where Italy had like 10, 11 men behind the ball the entirety of the match, trying not to get scored on by Spain. But finally, Jenny Hermoso with the goal. Late. This was a late one. Um, You're exactly right. Italy had a a low block, and they bunkered down, getting everyone behind the ball, making it really difficult for Spain to kind of finagle their way through. It took until the 89th minute for Jenny Hermoso to get the goal. It was um, Salma Paraguelo who subs onto this game at halftime and she made a difference. She was attacking down the flank, getting into the opposition's end and just opening up some of those pockets that Italy did a really good job of closing up. It's Paraguelo who actually crosses the ball into the box. It gets bounced around and lands to the feet of Hermoso right by the penalty spot and she finds the back of the net. Another substitute for this Mm -hmm. Spanish side as well. But um, Spain needs to top their table in the group stages and right now they're number two. They've got a couple more matches to play but they don't qualify for the Olympics just because they won the World Cup. They have a lot more work to do and a 1-0 win over Italy is is not going to be enough if that's how they continue to roll. I think they need to continue to open up those pockets and crack into the game earlier than the final minute of play. You talk about Germany having that, you know, 10 shots and scoring five of them. When we talk about Spain, Spain had a ton of opportunities where Italy is just taking the hits mm-hmm. and they're unable to finish that. What do you think the problem is with Spain's team that they're not able to, to finalize their, yeah. their goals? I don't think there's any problems with the Spanish team. <laughs> we just saw them dominate a World Cup where they played the best football that we've probably ever seen a women's team mm-hmm. play. I will say that. Uh, I think sometimes you come off of a little, a very, very high with a little bit of a lull. And we might, they might be in the lull right now, but they still do the same things that they do. There's rotations, there's possession, there's opportunities. They'll find the back of the net. I, I am definitely not worried about that. But I know that the, the stakes are high and they want to yeah. get to the Olympics. And well, there's a big target on their back. Huge target. So every team is going to show up their absolute mm-hmm. best against Spain. Their absolute best. And I think Italy was put everything back. They're not going to let anything through. So the fact that Spain was still able to win this game with a team parking the bus, that's the worst to play against because you're just trying, you're prodding, you're poking. And I also love that Ginny Hermoso and Perguelo came in because I think they have the attacking prowess that we even talked about during the World Cup where Perguelo needs to start. That's who we need to see come in. She's so effective. She makes teams stretch out because of her 1v1 ability and players kind of come out of position because she's very unpredictable. And the chemistry that they have and Jenny Hermoso getting into the right places at the right time is maybe what they were missing earlier in the game. But they got the win. Yeah. We'll take it. It's a warm-up. I like it. Esther started, too, so give her yeah. some, some minutes before she goes plays in a semifinal. Yes. No, I, I like 
that, but I'm not sure whether Esther is the number nine for Spain. Is is where my question was going, but you know what? I'll just I'll leave it at that. I know we got Gotham girlies on the desk, so I'm gonna leave it alone. Um, thanks so much for joining us today on Attacking Third. From everyone here in our production, we'll be back on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern time to recap all of the international action from the weekend. Have a great week, everyone.